to another edition of the UK Law Weekly Podcast with me, your host, Marcus Cleaver. This week, we're going to be looking at the case of A and B and Criminal Injuries Compensation Authority. The citation for this case is 2021 UKSC 27. In this case we're looking at this week, once again concerns Article 14 of the European Convention on Human Rights, which is the right to protection from discrimination. However, whereas last week we looked at this in the context of child tax credit, here the question is around the criminal injuries compensation scheme. The idea behind this scheme is that a person can receive compensation from the government, quote, if they sustain a criminal injury which is directly attributable to their being a direct victim of a crime of violence, end quote. In these proceedings, the appellants are twin brothers from Lithuania, who were trafficked to the UK in 2013 before being subjected to labour exploitation and abuse. By early 2016, the traffickers had been convicted and sentenced in a criminal court, so later that year A and B applied to the respondents in this case, the Criminal Injuries Compensation Authority, for compensation under the Criminal Injuries Compensation Scheme. The application was rejected and the reason has become the central point of contention in this case. Under paragraph 26 and Annex D of the scheme, an award of compensation will not be made to someone who has an unspent conviction for an offence which resulted in a prison sentence. For A and B this references convictions for theft and robbery that the brothers received back in Lithuania before they were trafficked to the UK. The brothers brought a judicial review against the decision not to award them compensation, and argued that the exclusionary rule was discriminatory. That argument was dismissed in both the High Court and the Court of Appeal, so A and B appealed to the Supreme Court, which is where we pick things up. The starting point here is to reiterate what we said last week and note that the protection from discrimination under Article 14 of the ECHR is not a right that stands on its own. A case brought under Article 14 has to sit within the ambit of other convention rights. Here that other right is the little-used prohibition of forced slavery and labour under Article 4 of the convention. By having a public compensation scheme that is available to the victims of trafficking, there is a human rights obligation on the UK to run that scheme in a non-discriminatory fashion. Drawing on that Article 4 right, the justices were then able to examine Article 14 in more detail, and that meant working out what statuses, such as race or gender, A and B had that they might be discriminated on. Here the Supreme Court decided that they had two relevant statuses, that they were the victims of trafficking, and that they had unspent convictions for offences which resulted in a prison sentence. Examining the question of discrimination, when you consider that one of the definitions is an individual being treated differently because of a relevant status, it is pretty clear that there is discrimination here. If you imagine two hypothetical victims of trafficking, one who has an unspent conviction and one who doesn't, then the fact that one of these victims can claim from the criminal injuries compensation scheme and one cannot is, by its very nature, discriminatory. All of this makes it sound like the Supreme Court should find in favour of A and B, but before they could do so, it is important to remember that discrimination can be legitimately justified under the European Convention on Human Rights if the relevant test is satisfied. That test looks at whether the government's decision to implement the measure was manifestly without reasonable foundation, and takes into account a range of factors. 
For example, the scheme was approved by Parliament and therefore has a strong democratic foundation. It also exists within the area of social policy, where states have generally been given a wider margin of appreciation by the courts. Finally, and related to what we talked about last week, the statuses enjoyed by the appellants here are not included in the higher category of suspect reasons, like race or gender, where discrimination is much harder to justify. Taking all of this into account, the justices unanimously held that the scheme is not manifestly without reasonable foundation, because it pursues the legitimate policy aim of reserving compensation for those who are deserving of it, and achieves this aim in a proportionate manner. Welfare policy is an area where states are granted a wide degree of latitude, and adopting clear lines of delineation may appear harsh, but allow policies to be applied clearly and consistently. Moving on to our own analysis, I think we can follow on from where we were last week and our discussion of Article 14. This human right is one that scares judges because it potentially is almost limitless. That is a legitimate fear, and so the courts are right to create a system of rules around this article, but there is debate to be had about how strictly these rules should be applied. What I mean by this is that ultimately we want Article 14 to work in a proportional manner. It has to protect individuals from discrimination, while also giving the government freedom to implement legitimate policies that may sometimes need to discriminate on one ground or another. To do this effectively, policies need to be looked at on a case-by-case basis, There is no one-size-fits-all approach that will work. This has the unfortunate effect of reducing certainty in the law, but the flexibility ultimately offers more equitable outcomes. It is on this point where I think the current iteration of the Supreme Court is falling down. I have already talked on the podcast and in my email newsletter about the court's rubber-stamping of government policy, but this rigid approach to Article 14 is more insidious and potentially has more serious longer-term effects. On the surface, this judgment appears to apply a proportionality test, but the consideration of the relevant factors is more of a facade on closer inspection. Honestly, the leeway given to the government to implement discriminatory policy is so wide that you could drive a lorry through it. The application by the courts of the suspect reasons hurdle also effectively means that policies will only be found to be discriminatory when they are clearly racist or sexist. Based on the past two weeks, Article 14 is not dead, but it is certainly on the ropes. Well, thank you very much for tuning into this podcast, and thanks as ever to bensound.com who provide the theme music. Quick reminder before we go that if you would like to support the podcast and help to keep it ad-free, then you can subscribe to my newsletter and earn yourself some nice perks, including more content from me each week, and a free ebook on how to answer essay questions on a law degree. If that sounds like something you're interested in, then check out the link in the description to this podcast episode. Anyway, I'll be back with another episode next week, but for now, bye!